Episode 29, Currency for Currency. Today's discussion for tomorrow's financial freedom is titled, The Problem is the Problem. The question is, do you know there's a problem or are you simply denying there's a problem at all? Mental Health Awareness Month. We're celebrating and we're also identifying the correlation between your mental health and financial well-being. Join us as we discuss the MMH factors and give you golden nuggets on how to cash in on your currency. With special guest mental health therapist Brian Jones, we'll get to the point of a healthy relationship with money and how it affects your stress levels. Let's get into it. Currency for currency, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Currency for Currency, and this is the place where you get today's discussion for tomorrow's financial freedom. I am Nyosha, and I'm joined by none other than the amazing, the miraculous, the ever-moving Miss Mo Money. How you doing today, love? Hello, hello, hello. Moving. Just stop moving. Just stop hello, moving. Hello, hello. Thank you. How you doing? I am awesome. Yeah. I'm awesome today. I'm great. I feel extremely blessed. The weather is awesome. The sun is shining brightly and I just feel <laughs> like singing. I've been I've been singing on on every call I've had today. I've been singing. So Mo, I'm ongoing. Keep it on going. Yeah. And I'm going to be singing because I am so excited for our guest today. We've been talking about this and, and having someone come on to speak to this very topic. And I'm so extremely excited to introduce our guest. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. Our special guest today, let me give you a little background. After many years of being a mentor and life coach, Brian, our esteemed guest today, decided to utilize his skills in which he felt would be more impactful by working to become a mental health therapist. Brian Jones completed his bachelor's degree in psychology at Drexel University in 2018, and he is currently a student in the clinical mental health master's program offered at St. Bonaventure University. Yes, clap it up for that. Clap it up for that. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, he is seeing clients as a therapist intern at the Center for Growth and has recently accepted full-time employment that will commence after graduation. Awesome, awesome. His clinical areas of focus include family, couples, and adults struggling with stress, guilt, grief and loss, depression, panic attacks, anger management, low self-esteem, and anxiety. Oh my gosh. Whew, that was a lot. Brian aspires to have each client leave therapy empowered to take back control of their life. Wow. Currency for Currency listeners, allow me to introduce Mr. Brian Jones, our mental health therapist and recent graduate Hello. 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 How are you? Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Excited to be here. 
we are excited to have you here. We, as I mentioned, we've been talking about this, right? And I'm, I'm just like all giddy in my seat right now. We've been talking about this. I have so many questions for you. I know Monique has so many questions for you as well. But on our show, we talk about the MMH factors, right? And we talk about three key things primarily, which is your mind, your money, and your home. And there is a direct correlation between financial health and mental health. And so we need you here today to break it all down for us and just tie those things together. So generally, yeah, before we get started though, I have to say happy Mental Health Awareness Month to you. Like this is perfect timing. Yeah, it's like it's, it's perfect timing. It works out well. May is definitely Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. When we try to destigmatize mental health, you know, we have 450 million people in the world that are suffering through a mental illness. Wow. So I think it's I think we're beyond the time of you know destigmatizing it and making it you know letting people know they're not alone. And that wow. you know we can we need to talk to someone and you know get this get some work done when it's needed. Did you say 450 million people with mental illness? In the world, in the world, yes. Wow, yes. that's an incredible and that's, number. And that's that you know of. That's there, you we, that's we, there you go. There you go. That's what the studies are showing. I'm sure there are many more. Um, it it reminds me of when I first, well, I was in my 20s, I remember I graduated from high school, and I remember feeling lost and not knowing where to go. And I went to go to therapy and I was so excited. I did my intake. I loved my therapist. I went home, told family and friends like, oh, I'm going to therapy. And their answer was, what's wrong with you? Why are you going to therapy? And I instantly just went from like excitement to shame. Yeah. And, and it's good enough like, wow, what is wrong with me? And right. that's what we need to change. That's what we need to stop. We need to realize that we all struggle. We all need support. Yeah. And there are, there are people out there who, you know, want to provide that for you. Wow. So I got to pause right there because you just unbottled everything that we've been taught, especially in our community, right? Correct. Exactly that. You know, what are you going to a therapist for? You are right. You suck it up. I heard someone say today, um, Black men don't cry. And someone, another man commented on that. And he said, you know, I cried in front of my daughter for the first time and she didn't know how to respond to it, right? And I'm just thinking, you know, my my children are younger, so I'm a newer mom, but I want them to express their feelings. And I, instead of telling my son not to cry, I asked the question, why are you crying? Tell me what's going on. Are you sad? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? You know, and in my mind, that's where it starts, right? That's where it begins. Having that foundation to know that it's okay to allow your emotions to come out. So what would you say to people who are stigmatized by therapy, right? About self-care in that vein? What, what would your response be to them? Well, I mean, we, well, first men, men, it's a little challenging because you have other men who are saying, you know, be tough. Yeah. You know, you know, you can't cry. You can't, you can't show any emotions. Yeah. But when we, when we talk in therapy, um, I can say that black men do cry. Um, once they just have to feel a sense of safety and that's the key word, right? The key mm. word is 
they have to be in a place where they feel safe. They have to be in a place where they won't feel judged so they can let go. So the biggest thing you can tell them at that point is one, nothing. You just have to create that safety for them to actually let it out because they're not going to. They're going to fight it. You know, once we have that stigma of I got to be a man, I have to do this this sort of way, they're going to challenge it. But yeah. after a while, when they feel safe in their environment or where they are, even in, in your presence, then they'll just they'll just let go. Like yeah. we are as humans are emotionally bind. Like we're no different. Men and women aren't any different emotionally. Women aren't more emotional than women. Women just show it more. Mm. But the emotions are still there. Like nothing. There's no difference there. Men are. Mm. Men will cry just as well. Men will feel heartbreak just as well. Mm. We just hide it. You know. So that's the thing. We want to give them a position where they do not need to hide it. But that takes a, that takes the whole community to do that. That takes a a big change and that's where the stigmatizing mental health and the stigmatizing all this nonsense come into play we, but it's a lot of work because we're we're doing like decades and hundreds of years of words that we tell people and trying to reverse it so yeah it'll, it'll take some time yeah you know, let me actually they will show it one way or another yep it, it'll come out i mean thanks i think the way we want it to come out just has to be healthy so when you see men being angry we see them like you know, um, just have an outburst. That's their emotions coming out. They just don't know how to direct it in, in a, you know, a, a more efficient way. Mm-hmm. But they are, you know, they are expressing it. That's just, so every, whenever you see a man just get angry or start snapping, understand they're probably going through some hurt. They don't know another way to deal with it. So let me ask you a personal question. Once you venture down this therapy journey did you find yourself being more open and uh communicative with your family your friends your uh partner i think so i mean you, you do um you find yourself being able to communicate better um the, the problem with therapists is when you start to do that people assume you've been a therapist mm. so after a while you know, they're like, oh, stop trying to diagnose me or, you know, stop being Give a therapist. <laughs> it becomes challenging. And, and you know, I always tell them, like, listen, this is not being a therapist. Like, trust me, this, this is pretty intense in my sessions. You know, this is me being me. But it's kind of hard because once you're a therapist, everyone's assuming that you're diagnosing them or you're judging them or you're, you're coming with something. So it's like that work of trying to break that stigma of like, no, this is still me. This is still Brian. Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah. It's for sure. And then also they try to get free therapy out of you, right? They call you with all their questions and concerns and dump everything yeah, they, they, they try and the, one of the first things you learn is you have to shut that down. Mm. Because I just don't have the mental capacity to be a therapist at home. Mm. Um, I, I, I really honestly wouldn't be a good therapist for a friend. I am great at what I do because I don't have any bias. I'm not emotionally involved. Like I'm just mm. objective. Whereas mm. my family, I'm not going to be objective. I'm going to have feelings. Yeah. I'm going to have judgments. I'm going to have thoughts. You know, and so it's, it, I, they wouldn't even get the best of me. Yeah. You know, so I do have friends who say, Brian, I got a problem. I want to talk to you. And I say, you know what? Just talk to a therapist. You know, like just talk to someone. You know, just not me. You know, so, you know, great you response. That, you should set those boundaries like right away for sure. Great response. Great response. Mo, you wanted to add something? I was just thinking, um, Brian, you have um, boys. How is that when with the crying thing? 
um, also when you said that uh, you can turn it on and off basically I didn't know you could turn it on and off the therapy part because you know what you know I think with the boys um, you just offer them a lot of love you just role model what you want them to see mm. you know so you know just me being me I'm not really like hard or you know whatever the typical male would look like I'm just me and I allow them to see that so, and, and that's just even with my godchildren or, you know, my baby cousins, whoever, they're going to see me. I'm going to role model the different points of view. So they have different ways of looking at it. It's not just one-sided. They can see someone who is openly, you know, communicative and sharing emotions and using words. And I know you're angry. Let's take some deep breaths. Oh. You know, tell me why you're angry, you know. And, yeah. and you know, even with my 11-year-old, we, we talk about, you know, like, Take a deep breath, breathe with me. I know you're angry, talk about why you're angry. And now he does it on his own, where if he feels angry, he takes deep breath. Wow. You know, so it's just about role modeling it and showing it. So, and it starts at home with the parent. So it starts with letting them know, like, now I should say, like, showing, showing them, like, hey, cry, tell me why you sad. It starts there because the world is going to try to change that. Yeah. So having a strong foundation at home like incredibly important wow that's very good that's interesting you said the world is going to try to change it right that's very interesting concept i'm so glad that i'm doing the right thing and you know what you mentioned they'll start doing it on their own well now my kids at three years old they use it they do the reverse psychology on me so when i get angry or frustrated they're like mommy wait take a deep breath mommy are you frustrated and i'm like yes i'm frustrated <laughs> so they use it on me they get it and I, i'm just thankful that they get it and we can have that conversation i'm, I'm really thankful for that so you brian your words is more important yeah because during the pandemic yeah they said that the um domestic abuse was up like mm. double or triple yeah it's just so sad you you going to school in the home you're working in the home and the breaks that you normally get you know by going to school by going to work has been taken away and we've been basically locked in to one structure for 24 hours for months on a time yeah and people are starting to snap. Yeah. It's absolutely. so sad to think that the one thing that's supposed to be taken is now dangerous. And you have nowhere to go. Yeah, the one place that's supposed that to be safe. Mm-hmm. I think that's the downside of COVID was it stopped. It, it just prevented outlets. You know, we're, we're around the same people all the time. Um, you're going to get on each other's nerves. You know, we always say a healthy relationship, you know, is two people who share lives, but also have to individualize, yeah. right? So it's not just them 24-7, it's them and, you know, they might go out with their friends, they're going to with their friends, they also have to individualize. COVID put a stop to that, so everyone's just like in one building, they get each other nerves, they don't have nowhere else to go, and it just becomes really, really tense. And because we, you know, destigmatize you know, we're trying to stigmatize mental health for that reason so we can bring in the couples counseling. So we can give them that outlet to have that communication, to talk about your feelings, talk about what's going on in the household and get your needs met and figure out like what exactly you could be doing to make things a little bit easier. 
But um, that's why this month is so important to like bring it out there because yeah, this has been a really trying year. You know, uh, I see I've been I'm seeing a lot of couples who are struggling through COVID. Yeah. And yeah, it's just sad. It's just like let let's start this communication. Let's make this even better. That's a great synopsis and I actually have a question about that to your point there have been so many couples affected and impacted by by COVID breakups um, divorces right and so the question becomes is, is that it's two parts so with COVID to your point of not having the individual lives right now you have to learn this person in another way so would you say with COVID one of the biggest challenges that couples have faced is not necessarily knowing their partner and then having to learn who this person is that they've been sleeping and living or co-mingling with I think I think it's a little deeper than that I think you, you can know your partner I think too much of anything can be bad for you, right? Yeah. So I think I think too much of just of her, so you just get tired of them, right? Yeah. Like you, you just that break. So I think it's it's not the sense of, you know, like I'm learning like more things about them that I didn't like. It's just because they just get exaggerated because you're around them 24 seven. Mm, you know, mm. if, you, if you hum, if you have an annoying hum that you do every time you watch dishes, <laughs> Right, you can always leave, go for a walk, go to your friend's house. Like you don't have to hear that right. hum all. But now COVID, I'm hearing that hum 24 right. seven. Now I hate it. The right. hum is now the the in the, the life for me. I can't deal with this hum anymore. So now it becomes a bigger problem. Just the hum. Now we're fighting over nonsense, just because everything is just so exaggerated. Because exactly. too much of anything is, you know, damaging at times. Yeah, that that's an excellent point. I'm laughing at that because, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I can totally relate. So here's another question as it relates to that, right? Mental health tied to financial wellness because now people are not only dealing with being around you 24 seven and getting sick and tired, now your behind is broke because you may have been laid off or unemployed or you know your business closed and so now you're not able to contribute and now your mental your, your psyche is messed with right because as a, a primary contributor or even whatever you were contributing to the household is impacted so that brings up additional concerns and and frustrations so what is two-part question again what do you see the correlation between the two, mental health and financial wellness? And how have you seen couples deal with that throughout the pandemic? So when we look at stress or anxiety or depression, we try to look at either two ways. We want to look at how to prevent it or how to mitigate it. Mm. Uh, both ways, it's really simple, self-care, right? And self-care, because I like taking a bath, you know, going for a walk. That's what normal go-tos for people. But there's other factors to self-care. There's like environmental self-care, spiritual self-care, emotional self-care. And a big part was what we talk about in my sessions is financial self-care. Mm. You know, um, learning like where your money's coming from. Where is it going? Paying your bills on time. Checking mm. your credit score. Getting your credit mm. score up. Mm. Having a good, healthy relationship with money has been showing to mitigate stress 
and anxiety because financial wellness isn't a problem. You know, I would have a saying, the problem is the problem. Everything else is a symptom. You know, so financial wellness is really the symptom of a problem, right? If we're not done with our money right, then we need to get to the core of like, what's the problem? Right. You know, like, do you not know where your money's going? Do you try to keep up with your neighbors? Are you feeling, you grew up poor and you feel like you have to spend a lot to show that, you know, you made it in life? What is your relationship with money? Mm. And what is that doing to your past? So we have to look at your past, look at your upbringing. So all that ties in directly with mental health, you know, it's mm. directly with your upbringing, directly mm-hmm. of the thoughts that you have of yourself. Mm-hmm. So, and so it's not so much that I think financial wellness creates anxiety. I think financial wellness is a symptom of anxiety. Wow. So you find that people who are financially stable tend to feel a lot better in that area. They tend to like, you know, rest up, rest well, um, have less stress, not just because they have money. That's just one less thing they have to worry about. And mm. that's start from childhood. That start from getting taught how to handle money, getting a debit card as a young age, you know, mm-hmm. knowing how money is important, which in our community, me growing up, I was never taught how important money was. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up very poor financially, credit cards galore, bad credit score, Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's depressing. Mm-hmm. So once you look, you look to your core and you realize, like, I don't need to spend all this money. I can save. We teach my clients to, like, take apart your paycheck, put it to a separate account, and take yourself on a trip with the money that you save, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. great self-care for yourself. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a correlation for sure, but it's a symptom of a problem. That is so incredible. And it's actually one of the um, the foundational points that I teach in, in my program with credit repair because my clients that come to me, there's no plan in place. I had someone say to me last night, he said, you know, I always thought I knew this, but the way that you put it and how I'm able to view it on paper is so simple now. And I find that that's what people are missing most, right? They don't take the time to write it down and kind of connect the dots, if you will. And it's not by, it's by pure ignorance and not in a a bad way. They just don't know because no one sat down at the kitchen table and said, this is what you have to do. This is how you transition. This is how you move your money. This is how you save. As you mentioned, starting as a child, let's put this in the piggy bank, rewarding instead of just saying, here's your allowance and not tying that to something, right? Knowing that if I do this, there's a repercussion or a consequence. So I either get or I'm going to be debited, right? You got to teach that at a very young age. And most people were not. And so what happens is you grow up and you have baptism by fire, right? <laughs> you learn as you go and you you make those those mistakes. And Monique and I see it all the time in our business practices. You know, we, we try to educate these people and because of all these bad habits or lack of training, they do things like to the very last minute, we're trying to get them to stop up to the point of, we're going to closing and you're still out here spending frivolously, you know, and not realizing the impact of your actions. So that is, that's great. And then you're stressed out when you can't close. (laughs) Exactly. But it's it's always so much deeper, you know, so when they're spending money, there's a reason why. Mm -hmm. Usually that's because they're depressed. So they try to spend to feel better, Mm -hmm. you know, um, not, Mm -hmm. not feel it, not having a handle on your money breeds 
powerlessness, right? And it, that breeds hopelessness, which then breeds oppression. You know, so what you guys are doing is empowering people to take, you know, control, which is definitely like we're in the same business. <laughs> you know, we, we, we want to empower yeah. our clients to take control of their lives because that, that empowerment, anxiety doesn't work against that. <laughs> you know, if you feel powerful, you're going to have less anxiety. Yeah. Just because you have the knowledge and you have the ability to take control of your life. And that's the most important part. It's the fact of I'm poor. There is no hope for me. I'm hopeless. I am now depressed. And all you have to do is change a couple of things around. Yeah. And you realize, like, you know what? I don't have to order out five nights a week. Right. I can buy food at home, cook it, save some money. And I'm not as struggling as I thought I would be. It's never as bad as they think they, think they really is. So what y'all doing is really in direct relations to what I'm doing, which is awesome to see. Yeah, I'm sitting here and I'm like, what you're saying are the things that I'm actually saying to my clients. And I'm like, we're on the same page. This is so exciting. And it's, it's wonderful when you can connect the dots and you can see how everything ties together, which is why having you here today is, is so important. I just... I'm, I'm blown away by this information. And it's really, it, they're simple concepts, right? It's not like any life shattering or, or altering things that you need to do, right? It's just simple concepts mm -hmm. and practices that you can put into place. Moments. Aha moments, there you go. I like that, right? It I almost like feels like you already know it. And he's saying it, he's verbalizing it. Yes, yes. And, and another thing that's interesting is he said, he teaches his son, his sons at home. So, because when he, they go out into the world, they're going to face another different reality. Mm. But the truth is, even with the what he's what what um he's talking about now, the world, United States at least, is set up to be the opposite. You try to sit down and watch a movie. They sit there and put commercials in front of the movies, around the movies. They sit there and sell you something. They'll say to you, you're not good enough the way you are unless you get this, unless you get that. And then you have in and out trends in the world that says that jacket, that coat, that shirt is played out. You need to do something else differently every year, every two years. Mm -hmm. And it causes anxiety when you're not in the in-group mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. So because we live in a capitalistic society, we are constantly being pulled into this machine that says, spend more. Um, you're not good enough. You need to spend more to be accepted by everybody in the blended. I, like I just that. want your thoughts on that. Yeah. I think um, I agree 100%. That's just the way our society is built. Um, when I see clients that are struggling with self-esteem or, you know, struggling with self-image, I can almost correlate it to how they were brought up as a child. Almost all the time, right? So it's, it definitely starts early in childhood with us teaching our children and us loving our children and letting them be them true selves. But then they have a foundation when they do get in the world, I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect, but they'll have more of a foundation to go against the grand. 
right? They, they, they don't have to prove to anyone because they were raised to be true to themselves. So now you'll find people who are, you know, they'll say like, oh, you're so strong. But your foundation was strong. I don't need to follow your trend. You're going to now follow me. Right. You know, so I think um, it definitely starts as a child. The world is tough. Um, as parents, we have to be tougher. Um, and, you know, if it gets too hard for them, there's always people they can talk to. But for the more part, it, it start, it's most part it starts at home. Like it really does. Um, when I'm teaching my children now, right. hopefully we'll give them the strength to to go through, you know, the insecurities of life and not need to fit in and just be themselves. And that's all you can hope for at this point, you know, <laughs> but it definitely starts at home. We have this thing called genogram when we look at, you know, the, ch- the person's life and we look at like their parents' history, how their parents' parents raised them. And yeah. we can always see a direct correlation between generations mm. on where people are. Mm. So at some point we have to break the cycle mm-hmm. and say, you know what? My mom didn't teach me this. My father didn't teach me this. I'm now going to teach my child this. Mm. And as we break the cycle, I think those things will become less of a problem. And you said that was a call a genogram? Genogram, yes, yes. It's like a family tree of a sort, but we're looking at relationships. So I can I can see like, you know, um, I didn't feel loved as a child. Mm-hmm. Well, we learn now that your mother probably didn't feel loved as a child because they were amended. Maybe there was substance abuse, mm-hmm. you know? So while you're growing up not feeling love, you're now looking for love everywhere. Yep. And that's where capitalism really falls, really plays into the place because you're just looking to fit in. You're looking to be loved. You're looking to be whole. But if you get it at home, mm-hmm. that's less likely to be um, a core issue. Absolutely. Wow. I love that. Brian, I, I have a question for you. You you were been speaking about um, correlations, feelings, um, foundation, right? And so everything basically changed for us when COVID hit. And when we think about definition of wealth, there was a a pre-COVID definition of wealth. My question to you is, how do you think that definition has changed uh, since COVID hit wealth? I think people have a better relationship now. Mm. I I think people have a better respect for money now. Mm. Because they've seen how quick it can go. They've seen how fast they can lose their jobs. Mm. They've seen how fast everything can just go. But mm-hmm. they also seen that they still survive through this. Mm. They still thrive through this. Mm. COVID, COVID wasn't a death sentence to a lot of people. A lot of people, some people came out better. Yeah. Than COVID. And I think there's an appreciation in that. And I hope they do never lose that. You yeah. know, a year from now, two years from now, that they remember this time when it was struggling and we had to make ends meet, but we still did. But I really feel like the relationship has changed. Yeah. Definitely from the eyes of a therapist talking to clients. You know, they're they're managing their money better. They're managing um their savings better. And they're starting to like really save up for trips for next year because now they're excited the world's opening up and I think they're really just appreciating. Yeah the dollars that they bring in. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, just yesterday that the that the spending at Macy's was higher than they projected for the first quarter. Now I don't know that because 
basically stay home for eight months. Or because they got stimulus, I don't know what happened, but it was, I think, 20% higher than the projection. Mm. And all my friends at the stores, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, are all saying it's crazy in here. And so I'm wondering if it's the ability to receive all the stimulus money that are spending. Since people that was affected by COVID, numerically, financially, Looking at do you think there's a difference between right, the two different sets of people and their spending habits? For sure. I mean, we're, so we're looking at younger kids, younger people, young adults who getting who are getting stimulus money. They are going to spend it frivolously if they don't have the foundation of wealth. You know, so they're going to go out to the Louis Vuitton stores, to Macy's, to splurge because they never had it. You know, this is like, you know, I said, most people, some people really thrive from COVID. Um, what I find is the younger adults are splurging. The older adults who've been through the tough times are doing more of the saving. So really the relationship with wealth, you'll see in older adults, maybe in their 30s and above, but the younger ones, yeah, they're, they're going to splurge. They're, it's less that's a stake for them. Okay. So um, I, I feel like it's just a generational thing, okay. Okay. which makes sense. Right, it does make sense because they said that the the, um, the rent the younger generate generation has less than a thousand dollars in savings, and the number one reason for that is this explosion with sneakers with them. So they're spending, they said most young children, these young people, have over $10,000 $10, in sneakers, but less than $1,000 in saving. Mm -hmm. right. so, so that does make sense. So that, that goes back to my, my famous saying that the problem is the problem. So the problem isn't that they're spending money on sneakers. That's a symptom. The problem is they do not know what to do with their money. They were never taught to save their money. They never taught the importance of putting money to the side or instead of buying sneakers, invest in a company that owns those sneakers. Wow. You know, so they're, they're never taught that. So they're, you know, and us sometimes as parents, we're trying like, hey, don't buy those shoes or that's the wrong. No, we need to focus on the core problem. Do they understand the importance of saving money? Do they understand the importance of a credit score and how this going to impact their lives 20, 30 years from now? Yeah, so right. it's, it's about keeping focus on what the actual problem is and not getting lost in the symptoms. Right. Brian, I just want you to know that I'm copping that one. Um, Mo always <laughs> says, she refers to Lauren Hill, you got you cop what you keep. And I'm keeping that one, right? right. <laughs> so <laughs> the problem is the problem. Man, exactly. like everything that you described today to the earlier point, I feel like you've solved so many problems. This was almost like an in- therapy session <laughs> through this recording like it's just it's magnificent when you can simplify and you can see core values at their bare minimum apply them to your life right and then take that baton and and carry it forward and so that's what I pray the listeners are getting from your words and your voice today 
that they are seeing the simplified approach to life, the correlation between mental health and financial wellness, and also that the problem is simply the problem. So start solving the problem, having the conversation. And if you would allow me to, I do this summarization thing. I don't know, I, I'm a acronym fanatic. I, I just like <laughs> <laughs> putting things um, in a, a simple um, use. So I came up with the acronym NFRESH for some of the key points that you talked about today, right? The N is for navigation, of course. Of course. The, yeah, the F is for financial wellness. The R is for your relationship with money. That was key, relationship with money. The E is for the excitement that you had with sharing today. And the H is for the health and mental health, right? Since we're celebrating this month, I just, so in fresh is what I want to summarize all of your points today with. And love it, love it. Awesome, thank you. But I, I have to ask because I have more questions. I know more money has more questions. I know the folks have more questions and you just sure. have a wealth of information. Can we bring you back and do a second part to this? This is like incredible knowledge and golden nuggets that you're giving us. Can we can we bring you back to do a second part? Yeah, that that'll be my pleasure. I'm always available for sure. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I, I don't know. You've been so amazing today. We might have to make you a, a regular um, guest, give you a spot feature or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, awesome. So I so appreciate your time, your attention and your knowledge today. Thank you for blessing us with everything that you have given. And we will look forward to you coming back next time. Yes. Yes. And I'll tell all your listeners, you know, there, there are people out there who would love to help them, you know, um, at my place, the Center for Growth at the centerforgrowth.com. They can go there and find tips and interventions to help them through different areas of, you know, mental health, such as anxiety, you know, anger management, sexual issues. So they can come on to our site, look at the intervention. If they're in the Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, they can, you know, look at the bios of our therapists, you know, book a session, and one of us will be happy to be there to assist them through their journey. Fantastic. We invite you all to contact Brian, but we invite you all to come on back. Come on back for another session. Continue to enrich your mind, to grow your money and live your best home life. Remember to subscribe, like, and share. Leave us a review because it continues to allow us to do great work like this. Amazon, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts, we're, we're everywhere. Well, thank you again so very much. And we will see you on the other side. All right, thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We brought you the dollars and definitely the cents so you could cash in on all your MMH factors. So come on back, grab more nuggets, and get your mind, your money, and your home all addressed in one place. It's currency for currency, y'all. See you next time.